and welcome back to the Rugby Collective podcast. Uh, after the sixth round of uh, the Premiership, we're going to dive into the games and then also look a little bit at international. I know the World Cup's just ended, but we've got a little bit of an international team sort of thing we're looking at later on to do with the A-League, um, the England A-team, sorry, which has been announced it's coming back. We are a week later with that, but hey, don't shoot us. Will. I'm going to rely on you a lot this week because you watch more rugby than I did. Um, so I will rely on you heavily. Did you enjoy the rugby you saw? I did actually, yeah. Some cracking games. Obviously, Derby weekend, which was um, welcomed. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoyed Derby that. Weekend. I enjoyed having a little bit of yeah Derby weekend. Well, apart from for sale. Yeah, but they're still deeming it Derby weekend, aren't they? And that is the, the northernmost uh, northernmost Derby that there could be at the moment in the top flight. Gloucester and Leicester and Northampton are all closer to sale than Newcastle. I know, I know. And every, everyone's heard this a million times before, but for the sake of the promo, we'll keep calling it Derby Week. Um, I'm just like, it's, it's kind of poor that Derby is further away. I think, yeah, pretty much every other team is closer to the sale than Newcastle, nearly, apart from the London ones. Um, probably true, probably true. But either way. Yeah, um, sorry. Derby weekend. Yeah. Was, was it me or was it not? It should have had a real edge to it because all the games are derbies, and I'm not sure that it did. See, I think it did. I, I liked it. I liked it a lot, actually. I, I was a big fan of it. All of the games that I tuned into seemed to have a little bit of a, a bite to it. So I was a big fan of that, personally. Um, maybe because you half-assed and didn't watch much rugby this weekend. You didn't I mean, I watched the two that you didn't watch. So together, we've actually coordinated this quite well. Yeah, we have inadvertently done this, actually. So... Well, well played to both of us, pat on the back. Yeah, for, no. Look at that. And I'll tell you what, I'm quite excited, James, because it's been a couple of weeks since we've actually sat down and gone through all of the games like we we usually do. So it's nice that we can actually go through and have a little nitpick at all of the teams through the games that they've been playing. So, yeah. yeah. Also, before we start doing that, I just want to say I'm bloody red hot at the moment. Um, I went five for five this week. Did you really? Yeah, on predictions on it, five for five. Went four for five last week and five for five. Nine for ten in the last two weeks. I bloody take that. That's quite good going, actually, because you you really like... It, the, the thing that will be surprising for the listeners is James doesn't know ball like, at all. Yeah, so exactly. when he gets these predictions, it's like, it's quite it's quite stark, actually. It's quite impressive, and it, it makes me yeah. feel a little bit like a proud dad because James, I, I will reiterate, does not know ball. Yeah, I don't know anything, obviously. Um, to be fair, though, uh, you, we did agree on four of the games, so you also got four. Um, but but you didn't get one of them right, so. Yeah, well, it happens, doesn't it? We can't all be perfect like you, James, can we? Oh, but... yeah, it has been said. It has been said. But um, we shall go on to the first game of the weekend. Well, there's two at the same time, but let's start with Bath. Bath, Bristol, bigger game for me. Yeah, yeah, huge game. Um, one of the true derbies of Derby weekend. Um, for sure, and I think Bears probably. I think we can both agree have been a little bit underwhelming this season so far. Um, a couple of big names back, Ellis Genge coming back in. Um, of course, then you, you've got um the the big names which have been starting to perform very well. Who was the other one? Max Malin's coming back on the bench as well, which is a obviously a welcome one for Did the Brussels fans. Did he score a try? Or made that? Um, did Malin score a try? Yeah, I think he did actually. Um, yeah, yeah he, he did when he came on. I'll, I'll be dead honest. 
was just a a, 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 a little run in, like someone someone gave him the ball with five yards to go. Try is a try. Yeah, hundred percent, and you have got to be there to score on for sure. But it it certainly wouldn't have made the the Max Bailey highlight reel. Either way, they started Connor on the wing. Did you not think? I'll tell you what. I thought. Let's talk. Okay, let's talk about. Um, let's talk about Bristol first. Then, um, Bristol, Bristol, Bristol. I thought Piers O'Connor had a little bit of a bad game. Uh, have you seen James the howler of him not giving the outside pass? No, I I can't lie. I've not seen any of this game. Clear as day. There's a try. I can't remember who stood outside of him. Um. Might be Rich Lane, might be a Batoy, I can't remember. Easy pass going on the outside. He's carried it in probably 15 metres away from the try line. Um, and he dummied into two Bath defenders and absolutely cocks it up colossally. Um, colossally? Colossally. Colossally. That is a word. Colossally. Colossally, oh. I think. It's colossally? That's what we're looking no, for. No, that's not it? a word either. Colossally. That's not a word. Hmm. I'm gonna massively. Yeah, he made a bit of a cock up, James. Is what happened yeah. really? Yeah, there you go. the ball, the person was colossally. Is not a word. Colossally, I think it is a word. I'm gonna have to next time you start speaking. I'm gonna get that. Um, okay, that I, I, I have never heard that colossally. How you do have you to remember, spell that? You are you. You have to remember. I'm well, well more educated than you. Well more educated. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Oh uh, yeah. That, we that, did go to school together. Well, for part of it. Yeah, no, that's very true. That is very true. Um, but yeah, Bristol had a very decent spell of the game through the middle, which was um good for them. I thought Bath absolutely commanded the, the first half, really. Um I actually sent a message to both yourself and a couple of other um friends as well. Sorry, James, it's not just you that I talked to. Um sorry for the for the news flash, but I actually sent a, a text saying how bad is Vakatar was it? He had a little bit oh, of a howler. I think uh, you missed that. I missed that text because I didn't get that one. I'm pretty sure I did. You just must have not replied because you weren't watching. Um, Fairs. <laughs> but um, I do ignore you fairly often. It is actually quite scandalous how much you do ignore me, James. Um, I do Vakatawa had a little bit of a. He was not impressing me at all. And then, as I sent that text, as my. Finger pushed the, the send button. He just absolutely turned it on and started playing really, really well. But unfortunately for him, the star of the show was his opposite man, Ollie Lawrence. And Ollie Lawrence had a shift like you wouldn't believe. Um, every State to me now, James, what you think Ollie Lawrence's best traits are as a 13. And I'll tell you whether he brought it to this match. Um, you've put me on the spot here. He is fast. He is strong. He is direct. Um... Is that enough, or John Moore? I mean, yeah, I mean that covers it quite nicely. I would have said he's very quick boy, especially sort of for the for the weight he carries around. He's unbelievable in the in the contact. Um, he's strong, nailed it. Those three boys, like you wouldn't believe, breaks tackles like no tomorrow. Um, great over the ball is a is a, is a threat of the breakdown. Is resilient. The bloke does not stop. He cuts lines like they're going at a fashion. There we go. That's three for three. Direct. Um, oh, nailed it. Yeah, mate, he was he was top top draw, and he was just yeah, he he was exactly what you want from Ollie Lawrence. The only player that had a little bit of a stinker for me for Bath was Finn Russell, and was this a stinker by Finn Russell standards? Maybe. However, he threw the intercept try, missed a, a pretty easy conversion as well, um, and 
just didn't quite get to the races. But for Bath, and I, I mean this in the most positive of ways, if Bath are winning games like this where they're tight and your, your star men aren't all performing as, as well as you you probably would have liked them to, and you still come out with big wins like this, then that that, that says a, a lot about them as a team. And yeah, if, if you're winning whilst playing badly, then you're in a good spot. Yes, I agree. That's that's exactly, especially at home, you need to pick up these wins. Um, but yeah, only three points in the second half, as you kind of alluded to, is not not brilliant. Um, just looking at the team sheet and purely that, this brought up a few things. Um, obviously, Piers O'Connor on the wing, slightly odd. Um, as you, yeah, he's really not. He's not really got that gas. He's not a a centre who's really. You're like, oh, he's got the gas to be on the wing. You wouldn't have thought. Um, and then. The other one is um, Harry Thacker at seven, playing the whole game at seven, which, I mean, obviously is, is I wouldn't say is a big issue, but his is, is preferred position is hooker. So it's interesting to see him starting there. And you know what? He's still throwing in at the lineup. Okay. Well, that kind of makes sense, I guess. If if you if he's your usual thrower, if he's on the pitch, you might as well use him. Yeah, very true. And I think it was just, it was bizarre to see someone with a seven on their back throwing, even though it was Harry Thacker, who is typically a two. I think the only thing which was slightly bizarre with that one is the fact you had Dan Thomas on the bench. So it's, you have a seven there, probably what who most would deem your first choice seven, and you're still going for, for Thacker over it. Maybe they liked the versatility of Ogre. They had Ogre playing in the midfield um, off of the line out as well. Um, so he would often come in off 10, uh, whether it was a dummy runner or or as a big carrier up the middle. So interesting that that's how they used him. Um, but did, yeah. um, did Malins, when he came on, did he go onto the wing or did he play fullback? Uh, fullback. They shifted Rich Lane over Rich to the Lane. wing. Yeah, and fair enough. I think I think actually fair, fair play to Pat Lamb and to Bristol because it would have been very easy as soon as Max Malins is the player of the stature. They brought him in specially. To have just got rid of Rich Lane, well, not rich, rid of him, but like move him onto the bench. And Rich Lane's been excellent to start this season. Um, so I'm really glad that he got an opportunity. But yeah, they're always going to play Max Malins at fullback, I think, over him because the whole reason Max Malins really left Saris was so that he could play at fullback. Yeah, for sure. And I, th- I think one of the things you, you have to look at, especially from if you look at the pod we recorded ahead of this season. We said, I believe, that the concerning bit for um, for Bristol was their wing pair. Uh, we said Ibatoye's not quite shown what he can do. Now Largo's not great. Rich Lane will probably stay on the bench backing up Malins at 15 when he's available. But Rich Lane's been fantastic, scoring scoring four, five tries this season so far. Ibatoye's been probably one of the standout players in the Premiership. And then Max yeah. Malins slotting in between them at fullback. They've gone from... Oh, the wings for Bristol are a big concern too. The wings for Bristol are probably the best part about them right now. Yeah, it, the only thing for me is interesting is if Rich Lane that converts from fullback to the wing. Um, you'd have thought so, but obviously um, they are slightly different positions. So, and he hasn't potentially got that top end gas. Um, but yeah, he does have great footwork though, which I think yeah. makes up for it. Obviously, as similar to myself, my top end gas isn't that great, but my footwork just manages to carry me through a lot of tough situations your middle gas isn't great to be honest but um <laughs> we'll move away from you and we'll move um to the sale game um is it a, it's a bit of job done isn't it really um yeah fa- fairly comfortable try bonus 
at home to Newcastle. If you want to challenge for the league or top four, that's the sort of you've got to pick up five points. I know it's harsh on Newcastle to say, but this this is the sort of game you've got to pick up five points at home. Yeah, no, very true. It's 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 a crucial one that you've got to target, and I think um, Newcastle's team sheet asks a lot of questions, didn't it? When it was dropped, um, a lot of young uh, lads in that team, obviously the likes of Mateo Carreras and Adam Radwan dropped, uh, the Argentines in Moroni. Um, and the likes of dropped. So you, you had a very, very inexperienced team, and I, I think most yeah. fans would be forgiven for not being able to go through that that Newcastle but, side and picking out all of the all of the options. Well, yeah, I like to think that I follow rugby fairly closely. Obviously, having a podcast, and there was a lot of names on this team sheet which I did not know who they were. If I'm being honest, yeah. and I'll, I'll be dead honest, we both predicted. Pretty um pretty comfortable wins, didn't we, for sale last week? And then when the team sheets came out, I think that only cemented it. But what you have to remember, James, is uh sales last two tries came in the 76th and 79th minute, both converted. Without those two tries yeah. in the last four minutes, the score was 26-22. So the fact that yeah. this Newcastle team pushed this Falcons team so close, uh, this sale team so close. Is pushing Falcons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Battle of the North going back on again. Um, but yeah, I think it was a really impressive shift. I'll be honest, I only turned it on once Newcastle started to get a little bit of momentum because I thought, oh, okay, this this could be um could be a pretty serious result for them. Um but yeah, how good for those young lads to get out and, and show what they can do. And I think that the one name for me who might come up a little bit later on, Ben Redshaw went to England camp this summer, a bit of an unknown, no one really heard of him, um, 18-year-old f- uh, fullback who's looking really, really good uh, with a lot of positive noise. I thought I'd tune in just to have a look at him, really, and see how he got on. And I thought he was brilliant. He's a, he's a decent-sized boy. He's quick across the ground, and he covers space really nicely. There was one part of the game where the ball's rolling, and as it's being kicked into the corner, he covers it really nicely and gets a one-hand pickup and then manages to clear the ball away really nicely. And you know those moves, he hasn't done anything particularly outrageous there, but you know when you can just, it almost looked like a real experienced little bit of play. Um, and for someone of, of his ilk, not played a whole lot of senior rugby for Newcastle, and it's just, it, it was promising. And I, I think he uh, he looks like a real player. Obviously, we need to see more of him, um, but he's clearly highly rated. You don't get invited to an England squad at 18 if you if you don't have a bit about you. So yeah, keep an eye on Ben Redshaw because he looks like a little bit of a future star. Yeah. Fair enough. Um looking at the sale perspective, uh there's some good news and bad news, I think. Um obviously they rotated slightly as well. Um I'm not sure if I'm assuming it was just rotation, but obviously uh no George Ford um involved in this game. But also they brought uh introduced Luke Karen Dickey. Um I'm pretty sure this is his first he didn't start but his first game um, off the bench for them. So obviously such a good player. Um, and you'd imagine going to be very important between him and Augustine Creevy. Um, they, they could have a massive season there. Um, the other one for me is, uh, they have a bit of news away from the game, really. It's obviously Tom Curry is done at least till after the Six Nations and probably the season um, with hip uh, hip surgery. Um and from what I've heard as well, it's maybe potentially a little bit more worrying than just this. Um, they've said it could potentially be a, a sort of 
uh, long, long-term career sort of injury, not, not career ending, but it's something that you may have to potentially manage now going forward. And it's, uh, yeah, it's not something that they, they from what I've read, is um, something that may, yeah, he's, he's going to have to manage over the rest of his career now. It's, it's not really going to go away. Um, and, and yeah, and I think that's a large part of, people still forget how young Tom Curry is. Tom Curry's still only 25 now. Um, I, don't know, I don't know how many caps he's got for England, but it's, is it in the 60s, I think? Let's have a look. Leave it to me. I'll get back to you. Okay. Again. But obviously, he's 25 now. He's been around for, it feels like, forever. Um and it's it's going to take a toll on your body, um, and yeah, we just really hope that there is something that you can play through because obviously he's such a such a talented player, um, and I'm not 100 percent sure. This is just from reports I've I've read and, and heard about that it's maybe something that may, but hopefully with his surgery, he might be able to get over it. I don't know. Yeah, I did see um I did see a a post from Ruck claiming it was uh he'd never play again or something like that or yeah no uh, the thing I said didn't see that but it was just something that he was going to have to manage going forward and it sure. may like reduce his game time he, um yeah no absolutely than... and let's hope it's not serious because obviously yeah as you said 25 with he's got 50 caps for England so far yeah. um That's he's obviously thing. got a lot he'd of probably break the cap record for England um if he were to play regularly for the rest of his career because it's 50 and he's only 25 that's nuts yeah, it is, it is crazy. So yeah, credit to um, credit to him, and hopefully he comes back and uh and and gets fit. But um, yeah, we'll we'll if we hear anything else, we'll we'll let you guys know. And it's going to be a loss um, for sale this season, obviously. Yeah, uh, for sure, for sure. But, but yes, as you say, back to the sort of result, kind of business as usual for sale in terms of the result. Um, yeah, yeah maybe a little bit scared, maybe a little bit of underestimating. Um underestimating of uh of that falcons side but i think well, again, especially when you go up fairly well they went behind at one point but they then kind of pulled away a little bit um towards the end of the first half at, at half time is 26 10 and you, i feel like they thought with the team they're playing that's probably game over isn't it um they've got their four tries that they were looking for um a bit of complacency and you allow other teams to come back into it but um yeah, yeah as we said got the job done in the end, five-point win, which is exactly what every team who's going for the top four world title needs to get at home, especially against Newcastle. Yep, no, absolutely that. So, uh, yeah, I think we get into to your remit a little bit now because I haven't caught any of the the, the following two games. So, um, yeah, take, yeah, take it over, James. So, I, was, I, I wasn't I um, was watching horses on Saturday. I was actually um, watching rugby because I'm professional and I do my job. Um Okay. Sorry, a little shot. To be fair, if it makes you feel any better, I wasn't really watching any horses on Saturday. You can't not remember watching, can't remember watching any anyway. Did you have a few gambles or no? um no, didn't actually have a bet at all. I think I had a couple of responsible Guinness and Blacks though. A couple. A couple, maybe three. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it'd be something like that. That's not too many. Responsible drink. Responsible drink, yeah. Fair enough. Um yeah. Starting with the Leicester game, I found this a bit of a snooze fest, if I'm being honest. It was quite bad conditions. I didn't think either team played particularly well. There's lots of knock-ons, lots of um, kicking. It was it was just not an overall great 
game of rugby or a great spectacle. Um, and you could tell it with the atmosphere. Um, obviously, normally bouncing at Welford Road was a bit subdued, especially in a, a big, um, a big what's it called, derby like this. Uh, you expected it to be flying, everyone bouncing. And um, yeah, it just really wasn't. It really wasn't at all. Um, so that was a bit disappointing. But um, it did open up towards the last 15, 20 minutes. Um, well, the score at halftime kind of proves my point. It was 9-3 at halftime. Um, so hardly a hardly a massive scoreline. But it did open up towards the last 20. Newcastle, uh, sorry, Northampton scored an excellent try towards the end of the game. And what was their winger called? Uh, their, uh, uh, what was he called? Henry Pollock. Was it Henry Pollock? Yeah, Henry Pollock yeah. came on in the back row, 18 years of age. And I was a bit worried because he comes on and he looks tiny, really. Com when you're comparing him to Hamro Liebenberg and Jasper Visa on the other side, Tommy Rafael. And I'm like, oh dear, this kid's about to get smashed all over the park. They were. It was a point where Northampton was starting to fall quite far behind. And I was like, oh dear. He came on, was so dynamic, really quick, was all over the pitch, looked really, um, offered great things in attack, um, looked very solid in defence. And yeah, I thought it was an excellent, excellent debut for him. Yeah, I, I obviously didn't see this game, but I've heard great things about Pollock and I've seen a couple of highlights where he just looks electric. For He doesn't look like a back rower in the way he gets around the pitch, does he? Yeah. And then you see him well, he is that slightly smaller body, but yeah, he's, he's really quick. Yeah, and the way he hits the tackle, you, you can then see why he plays in the back row. Um, yeah, very yeah. promising career and great to see him get off the uh, get off, yeah. the, off the blocks really nicely. Yeah. Um, from a Leicester standpoint, they kind of it they kind of cruised, never looked too good, but kept Northampton at arm's length. Um Andre Pollard was very solid as always, ticking um ticking the scoreline over with penalties. Um, but I thought um uh, the, the standouts was definitely Tommy Rafael. He was excellent at seven, so many turnovers. And the other big difference I thought was when um they brought on the replacement second uh, replacement front row. Um, they could bring on Francis, uh, Francois Van Huyck, or whatever, however you say his name, and Dan Cole. Um, and that really just cemented. Um, they won a couple of pen scrum penalties. I think got a binning. Uh, Northampton got two binnings, basically, in two minutes. And um, that was kind of game done there and then. Um, so, yeah, it, it was, yeah, Matt Avesi got one in the 53rd, and then Ethan Waller got one in the 56th. So the game kind of went away from um, Northampton in those couple of minutes. But, yeah, they, they showed some fight. And also the other thing I kind of want to point out is Northampton have looked better in defence. And that was the thing we were calling for um, if they wanted to be a true competitor. They haven't quite sparked into life and attack in the same way as they have done last season, but they've been missing Alex Mitchell for a large part. Um so, yeah, it's interesting. And also, I thought it was interesting to see the way they've used Tommy Freeman in the centre. or um, well, played him at 13 in this game. And they've been using him that way a bit more. Um, obviously, not scoring as many tries as he made you out in the wing, but getting him involved in the game more. And a, a player that of that quality and, and um, excitement, it's always good to get the ball in his hands. But, yeah, they look much more solid in attack, uh, in defence, especially the first half. Leicester had a lot of penalties where they kicked themselves onto the five-metre line. And Northampton didn't let them score. 
um, especially in the first half. So better things from Northampton's defence. And when you look at the amount of points they've conceded, it's only um, 139, which is very much middle of the pack. Um, it's Bath conceded 137, Saracens 132, um, Quinn's 139, Bristol 140. So they're in and around everyone else. And as we've said before, if they can make a defence just middling with the amount of tries they generally score, they should go a long way um, this season, Northampton. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I really like what Northampton are doing. It's a shame they picked up a loss here because that would have been really big for just for the season, really pushing on away at Leicester. It's a, obviously a tough place to go. I suppose my question is someone who didn't watch the game. Um, Leicester are down at the bottom of the table, really. Sec- second bottom at the moment, sitting in ninth spot. Um was this game a turning point for them? Can you see this being the 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 pivot point for Leicester to then project their season onto to better things? Or do you think this was just get up for the derby, get the win, and then sort of maybe back to to, to normal next week going away against Gloucester? What what do you sort of think? How does that uh, how does that sit with you at the moment? Well, to be honest, I don't think it's normal for Leicester to be at the bottom of the table. I think their squad is too good. And as we've said previously, they've just missing so many players um, in the early rounds of the rounds of the tournament. Um, but I think, yeah, this should be a, a good springboard, get their season going, big win against your rivals, um, and, and looking fairly solid. Like there wasn't really ever a, a real period in the game where I thought, oh, Northampton are going to win this. Um, so it was a bit more controlled and it was a bit more of the dogged sort of Leicester that we're used to seeing, um, not conceding that many points apart from uh, yeah, like a, pretty much a wonder try. Um, but apart from that, they didn't really concede that too many points. So it's a bit more back to Leicester of last season, the last couple of seasons um, and, and Andre Pollard pulling the string. So, yeah, I would expect this to be Leicester moving forward, um, but still not. I think this is a good sign of good teams, isn't it? When they're winning and not playing overly well. They they played okay, but they weren't anything outstanding and they still got a fairly comfortable win. So you've got to be happy with that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And as you say, it's going to be a tough season in terms of there's not many games. It's going to be close. So you pick up wins where you can, regardless of performance, regardless of, of who you're against. You just need to pick up wins when you can, especially with the prospect of potential relegation. Um, cool. So let's move on to the next game now then, James. Wins Saracens. Now... Yeah. So you had some pretty strong views on this one, didn't you, before we started recording the pod? What do you mean? Well, in terms of uh, the prospect of Saracens, perhaps, and in the way that maybe they didn't start off too well, but now they've got their full noise team back. How they're, yeah. So they're I predicted now. them. Yeah, I predicted them and I thought that they I thought they'd be back and I thought they'd be winning. Um, but to be honest, it wasn't really a contest, if I'm being real. Saracens looked excellent. Um and they had every right to not look good. Quinns were flying going into the game. We spoke about them last week, probably the form team in the league, um, going into this one at home. And um, yeah, Saracens uh were Obviously, then lost Benner and Elliot Daly in the warmer, and then lost uh, Alex Lozowski, um about two minutes into the game. He twisted his knee, it looked like. Um, and those shots of Benner with an ice pack on his knee. So, hope that isn't anything too serious. 
um, because obviously Ben Earls is absolutely fantastic and so really hope want him to be on the pitch. And obviously it's massive for Saracens that he is throughout the season. But yeah, Saris just turned up and looked on it from minute one. Absolutely dominated. Um, everywhere, looked sharp. Uh, the, yeah, it, that's the thing, I think. They just bullied them off the park. And if uh, I spoke about it last week, but Saracens have looked better every week. Um, looked kind of unprepared the first week. But since then, every single week they've they've come they've turned up and they've looked better and better, and yeah, everyone was flying. Um, Juan Martin Gonzalez, I thought he looked really um, good breaking at play, carrying really strongly along with Andy Christie. But the fact you look at their back row of Juan Martin Gonzalez, Billy Vunipola, and Andy Christie, you look at the names as I just said: Ben Earl, Theo McFarlane, Tom Willis. All these players, not even. Not, not even playing, and they've still got that back row. It's absolutely unbelievable. Um, for me, their best nine is Ivan Van Zayl. I think he is when they play with Ivan Van Zayl, I think they are uh, um, so much better. Um, not to be too harsh on Alan Davis, but for me, he is so so good, and I think he's quite underrated to be honest. Um, but yeah, he makes everything tick, he has that speed of play, which I think suits Owen Farrell. Um, yeah, and they, they just looked brilliant overall. Uh, for me, yeah, Quinns just didn't look at the races, were out physical by um, Saracens, just didn't offer much in the backs at all. Kicking game wasn't as good as Sarri's. Nothing was quite on it for Quinns, where everything was slick for Sarri's. And it, yeah, it was fairly comfortable, as I say. Also, the other thing I've noticed is, I don't I know Tyrone Green scored a wonder try last week, but his wheels have fallen off. I don't know where he's, his wheels have gone. There was um, a time where Tom Parton, and Tom Parton's quick, but he's not. He's not an Adam Radwan. He's not a Lewis Reece Sammy. He's not an Arundel. He got the ball and he just went round him. And Tyrone Green couldn't get near him. And yeah. what injuries has Tyrone Green struggled with? Because maybe that that is could it ankle. Be a, I don't know. Maybe that could be a big hitter. Just just on the topic of injuries as well, just quickly, um, Saracens have actually put a. Um, statement out about the injuries that have been sustained. Um, and first of all, before I go into the injuries, how good that Saracens are, are being fully transparent with the injuries and where players are and how, how long they will likely be out for. I think that's fantastic to, to keep the fans engaged and with the knowledge of, of where these players are, um, not throwing shades at any other club at all there. Um, but Benno damaged his meniscus, had surgery on Tuesday, and is looking to return in around six to eight weeks. Um, Alex Lizovsky obviously has suffered an ACL injury, which will have surgery next week to determine the severity and time out. Elliot Daly pulled out of Saturday's match just as a precaution and is back in full training. Um, and Callum Hunter-Hill, who has had a very good start to the season, I will add, um, quite under the radar really, has had surgery um, and is expected to return in about four months. So he's out for a lengthy period of time. So they're the injuries that are are coming there. So um but yeah, yeah, to be fair, the uh the Lozowski one I thought was his ACL. Um just from watching it, he went down twisted um in the ground and just went down pretty much off the ball. Um yeah, literally in the second minute. Um but it was nice to see um Hartley, who I've slagged off a little bit because after his start to the season because he, he was really quite kind of struggling after having a lot of uh, a lot of people and a lot of expectations on his shoulders um, struggled at first this season 
came on, scored a try and looked much more solid in this team, um, which was great to see. Um, but yeah, who? what other team loses their starting winger uh, 13 in the first two minutes? And um, what other position? And, and seven and look so good <laughs> having lost three key key players from your team. Uh, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, no, absolutely that. Absolutely that. The, the depth they've got there is is sublime, isn't it? And um, yeah, that's why they'll probably go on to to have a very, very good season. Um, yeah. Cool. Anything to, else to add on that one? No, unless you've got anything on the Tyrone Green. It's just weird for me because, he, yeah, he's just getting gas left, right. When Tyrone Green was always rapid, wasn't it? That was one of his things. And literally, I'm like, Tom Harton went round him easy. And I'm like, yikes. That is... Yeah, I don't know know whether. Yeah, I don't know what the um the injuries were. I'll have to. I'll have to have a look. He was out for a significant piece of time. How old is he now? Is he just getting a bit older? Is that is that? Um, Tyrone Green, age twenty five. That can't be right. Twenty five. Is he twenty five? Tyrone Green is twenty five. Really? Wow. Yeah, he is. Tyrone Green is twenty five years old. I thought he was about thirty. Oh, 25. Yeah, I thought he was in his 30s as well. Fair play. Um, well, he has lost his gas, unfortunately. And whether that comes back, I hope so, because yeah, he's a bit of a not liability, I don't want to say, but yeah. Well, yeah, I think that's harsh because he has he has looked better this season. I, I know last season coming in and out is never easy in a team like like Quinns, who are so fluid in the way that they play. And I suppose when you've got expectations as high as we have for Tyrone Green, you expect the best out of them all the time, don't you? Um, so maybe it's just a case of finding his feet, getting back to familiar, because he has been looking better. So hopefully he he stays on that trajectory. Um, he's going to have a couple yeah. of off games here and there, but hopefully we see him back to his best. I tell you what, and they were sorry. I tell you what, and they they were talking about it in commentary as well. Um. One of the better things to see as well from Saris, they're a better watch nowadays as well. Um, they attacked a lot more. They were moved away from the kicking game. They just they were just fun to watch. They if it was on, they went for it, sort of thing. Rather than you know Saris of all very, um, and I think this is because they had to do it to beat Exeter at the time, and they turned into a very solid machine. Sort of right, we don't play in our own half. Um, we kick a lot. It's very structured. That was a, their sort of style where they are, are attacking a lot more from everywhere now. And I think it's just much better rugby to watch personally. And um, yeah, it's, it's great to see. Yep. No, absolutely. 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 So on to the fifth and final game of the weekend. Um, another tight one like the the Bristol and Bath game. Uh, Exeter Chiefs versus Gloucester Rugby. Obviously, Exeter come in with a unbeaten run. Um, at home, looking really good um, at, at Sandy Park. And Gloucester come in after being in some pretty uh, difficult form at the start of the season, um, certainly after the, the first two games that they uh, they picked up wins. Um, and yeah, it was an interesting game, I thought, altogether. I think Exeter definitely dominated most facets for the, the first half. And then Gloucester seemingly had a bit of a purple patch through the beginning of the second half, which they scored uh, a lot of points and seemingly were about to close the game out. Nine points lead um, with four minutes to go. And then Exeter 
heroically came back and beat them by a point thanks to a Henry Slade uh, penalty kick in literally the clock in the red. So, yeah, a, a strange game altogether, I think. But, yeah, Exeter keep on winning, uh, certainly at Sandy Park. So, yeah, looking very good for them. I, I don't know what Rob Baxter is feeding them over there, but they are playing out of their skin at home. So, um, probably their worst shift at home so far, I'd say, but still went and picked up a, a very, very solid win. So, yeah, I'm really liking the stuff Exeter are doing at the moment. Yeah. Um, I, the only worry I'd say for them is they've kind of trended downwards um, when you look at um, their results at home. Obviously, battered Saracens um, in their first outing. Then they fairly comfortably, and it was still kind of a battering on sale, but not quite to the Saracens extent. Then they beat Quinns, and it was fairly comfortable. And then they've scraped past Gloucester and and only just um, won again. Well, really, they should have lost that game. Um and I think it's interesting when you whether that's teams now they've got some more um, video of them. They know the style of rugby extra are going to play, so they're more prepared. Whether teams are underestimating them, or if maybe it's actually the other way around, extra under, underestimating teams. Um, when you look at the first two, the Saris and Sale, they were obviously the Premiership final from last season. Then they go to Quinns, who are meant to be a better team, um, but not quite to the other two's level. And they're not quite as good. And again, Gloucester, who are, again, a step down. And again, they don't perform as well. So whether there's anything in that, I don't know. Um, but yeah, um, we were talking the other week about um, certain teams not putting out for, uh, performances away from home. Um, we kind of said, if you win every home game, though, you're sorted. And at the moment, that's what exactly what Exeter are doing. And if they keep winning every home game, they'll be in and around that top four position um, come the end of the season. Yeah, exactly that. And I think they're uh, the way they're playing at the moment is the way where they deserve to be. I think they're, they're playing very quick rugby with very big bodies. Um, makes it very tough to adapt and get back into into shape. And I think they're they're very clinical with what they're doing at the moment. We we've said they've had a lot of outgoings. What it's done is they've brought through some really exciting youngsters, as we said. We've you, you've got Russ Tuima coming in. You've got Tom Wyatt, who's looking fantastic now. You you've got players all over the park who are uh, pretty new players to the Gallagher Premiership and are playing very, very well. So, yeah, keep it coming, Exeter, because it's uh, good to watch. It is indeed. Show me move on to Gloucester? Do you want to start on Gloucester? Do you want me to start on Gloucester? Um, you're more than welcome to start on Gloucester. Um, I won't go specifically to the game. I'll let you do, delve into the game itself. But as you said, uh, nine points ahead with four minutes left. You can't lose that game. Unacceptable to lose that game. Um don't care who you are, if you're Newcastle or your Saracens, you can't lose that game. Um, we know New Gloucester may potentially be in a, a in a relegation battle this season from what we've seen so far. That's the sort of thing you have to win. Um, and ultimately, when you look at the table, they've con the only team that's conceded uh, more than them is Newcastle. And the only team that scored less than them is Newcastle. So they're basically conceding more than anyone else and scoring less than anyone else. It's not really a good combination for winning rugby, that. Um, the defence, which looked more solid last year, is uh, not there anymore. And the attack, which, I mean, is potentially slightly better than last season, but it's, as we said, second worst in the league. So it's hardly flying. Um, yeah, it's, it's not a great time for Gloucester. Um, that's four losses on the bounce. Uh, and Leicester at home this weekend when Leicester are ninth uh, and Gloucester are eighth 
if they don't win this, it's well, it's really, really bad, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. I, I think yeah, what to say about Gloucester at the moment. I, I think they've been pretty underwhelming for the players that they've got. They they've been trying to implement this new attacking style and it's not quite hit the ground running as of yet. Um, which is problematic. We're seeing better things, obviously the bonus point with uh, well, the bonus point loss, I should say, um, with being one point behind and scoring four tries is obviously a big bonus. Um but yeah, it's not quite clicking yet. I, I wonder whether it needs a couple more weeks just to, to really tie things together. Obviously, some big key cogs to this Gloucester attacking wheel have fallen out with Adam Hastings, their starting 10 being out of the equation, as well as Mercer, now Albert Tuasui, Rowan Ackerman, um, and Varapava Ruskin, all no doubt being focal points in the way that this team would attack. I think I said Mercer, didn't I? But yeah, Zach Mercer. Oh, sorry. Zach Mercer as well. Um, yeah, you, you've got important players there who are going to be um, key to that attacking structure uh, and well, our team are going to build around that team, aren't they? And also um, two misconversions by George Barr, um, as well as you may have thought he played or obviously he gets a, maybe a bye because he's young. Ultimately, that is, that's the game, isn't it? Two misconversions. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. And um, yeah, I think that the one big positive for Gloucester was Jack Clement. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. He, um, yeah, he he looked really, really good. Obviously rewarded with a try, but his carry in and general work rate around the pitch was absolutely phenomenal. So, yeah, I think having him in and around the squad is going to be huge building forward. Um, so yeah, keep an eye on Jack Clement because he looks a bit of a player. Yeah, well, and and as you said, with all those injuries, especially in the back row, um. With Ruin Athlon, Tuasui, and Zach Mercer all out, he's going to have to stand up um, and step up. And yeah, he's been excellent all season. A lot of Gloucester fans have been asking to see more of him, having looked really good in the Prem Cup and then kind of not being picked in a lot of the Prem games. Um, yeah, so he the the fact he's becoming more and more prom, pr- prominent in this Gloucester team and, and crucial to this Gloucester team is it's good to see. Um, and yeah, hope he can go from strength to strength. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. Fingers are certainly, certainly crossed. Right. We shall move on away from the Premiership, anyway. Sort of. And um, uh, in sort of into, as we were just saying about Jack Clement, obviously a young player coming through. Um, and me and Will were kind of having a little discussion just before the podcast about whether we, we kind of think the A-League should be brought back um, to give a lot of these younger players uh, a chance. You saw a lot of them in the previous weeks where um, teams had internationals away uh, but then they don't get another run out again until basically the next international break in this case the Six Nations um, so they're not really getting much rugby these young players and then you you wonder why when they come in they look a bit rusty or they don't look um, they don't look as fresh or they don't look um, as developed oh, this player's not developed like we thought he would well yeah because he plays two games a year how do you expect anyone to develop but Having said that, it links on to the A team, the England A team, which is back. Um, obviously, almost England Saxons, whatever you want to call it, the second string team, um, has been announced that it's coming back from next year. Uh, and so, uh, me and Will have thought uh, we've made an eleven of players who we thought deserve to be in this. Um, did I say an eleven? 
Yeah, you absolutely did say an 11. Yeah. I definitely did say 11. Sorry, I'm, I was thinking football there for a second. Uh, 15 of players um, that we think deserve a chance. Now, I think we may have done slightly different things. With, well, we've definitely done two separate teams. We've not really spoken to each other about the teams. However, I've gone for players, not necessarily young players. I've gone for players who haven't had a real shot at the England team, really, or have been in and out or have not been in for a long time. Um, so they're not all necessarily young players, um, because I think that's what the under 20s for, is for. Um, and, and obviously, once they get a bit past that, then you can't go in there. But um, yeah, if if if, if yeah, yeah, I could just do an under 20s, but that's a bit boring because that's literally what that's for. So I've gone through a few players with a bit more experience, I think, but players who've not really had a proper shot at international rugby yet. Yeah, no, that's fair. I've, 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 I think I've probably gone slightly younger than just not players who've had a, a shot. Um, uh, yeah, I've got a couple of interesting ones. I think in terms of positional changes. Um, no, that's fair. But, but yeah, that's we'll fair. we'll see. Um, yeah, I've I've also gone for ones that. Um, so uh, I struggle for lot. For example, this this would be a good example. Um, I didn't put Johnny Hill in, even though Johnny Hill probably deserves a shout in the England squad. Um, he's kind of had his time, been in the squads, been around. I wasn't going to say him because I didn't think he'd really England Day is not for him, is it? I didn't think. No, that's fair. Yeah. Cool. Well, we will start in the front row. Um, shall I go first? Yeah, please do. Yeah. So I've gone. Um, and and Lou said t- difficult. Actually, tight heads more, even more difficult. I think because I think England have a have a um, a lack of tight heads. Um, but I went for Benno Obano. Uh, Lou said. I went for Harry Thacker at hooker, and I went for Trevor Davison at tight head. Okay, nice. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. Do you want to take me through those briefly? So I'll start with Trevor Davison. Um, the, the the thing that choice between the, him was Joe Hayes and him, and for me, Joe Hayes has been, I don't want to say bad. Yeah, no, I'm just going to say bad. He's been bad this season. I thought, I thought he, I I was really impressed with him. Um, a couple of seasons ago when they won the league, thought he was really developing well, looked really good, and this season he just looked off it. He's not scrummaging well. Um, I don't think he's getting around the part where he's getting pinged quite often. When you compare him, like um as I was just saying about the Northampton game, compare him to when Dan Cole came on. Their scrum just completely changed. Dan Cole looked incredible. Um, but yeah, so Trevor Davison, for me, uh, he's experienced head. Um, obviously, Borthwick doesn't mind an experienced, more experienced head, bringing, obviously bringing Dan Cole in. Um, we don't have, as I said, we don't have a, a lot of tight heads in this country. Um, and I blame Jamie Oliver. <laughs> it's the only it's the only way it's the only way we blame Jamie Oliver if he hadn't taken away turkey dinosaurs at school we'd have a lot more fat props running yeah, around agreed so it's Jamie Oliver's fault um, anyway yeah Tre- Trevor Davison very solid in the scrum which I think is what well, kind of showed in the in World Cup semi-final that is the basis of a tight head position yes you can do all the fancy stuff it's great if you can do all this extra stuff um, but your, your, your bread and butter has got to be the scrum and I think he is excellent in the scrum and be good to see him get some exposure Harry Thacker I think for me is the best hooker in the league that doesn't get any um, a look in at all obviously again a bit older as we just showed very versatile um, playing seven for Bristol this weekend um, and he's just such an excellent player. Gets around the park really well, really fast, good hands. Just everything about him I like. 
Uh, and then Beno Urbano. We have quite a stacked um, loose head room. And I nearly went for Val Ruskin, but because he was in and around the last squad and obviously was in, then he was out, then he was in, I, I didn't go for him. Um, and Beno Urbano, I think, is the best loose head about who doesn't get, a, who hasn't really had a look in. Strong ball carrier, decent scrummager, um, but I'm not as, 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 don't need as good a scrummager on the loose head. Um, and a good ball carrier. And I think that's what he offers a bit more. Um, so yeah, that was my front row. Don't know if you've got any thoughts about this. Yeah, no, I, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. I think uh, the, the one that stands out for me is, is Harry Thacker. I don't, I don't even think to go for Harry Thacker, but um, yeah, he's brilliant. I know we, we've worked lyrical about him on this pod. Um, Never really had a chance at England, does he? No, not really. I think he has run out for like England A equivalents and, and things yeah. and sort of bar bars matches and, and stuff like that. But he's fantastic. Not even I love him. He, he's one of the best players and he's one of the best hookers in the loose um, about, isn't he? For sure. And he's, he's pretty accurate uh, with his arrows as well. So I like that shout a lot. Should I go for mine? Yep. So I've gone for Finn Baxter over at Quinn's. Um, I think he's looked really, really tidy this season, coming in, starting four Quins in that one shirt, which is, um, yeah, a big task for someone of his age. I believe he's only about 19, 20 still at the moment. Um, carries himself really nicely. Uh, apparently a fantastic leader, certainly, again, for his age. Um, a big old unit as well, which is obviously important in the position and role that he plays. Um, and his skill set is top draw. So that's... Uh, um, yeah, obviously really important too. Um, I've gone for a bit of a rogue one at two. I've gone for Alfie Barbary. Um, he's not quite himself since coming back, but he was uh, a hooker by trade. And I think as long as his arrows permit, I think that could be a really interesting sh shout going forward. I think we've got an abundance of top draw. Eights at the moment, we don't have an abundance of Do we? top Do draw. Do we have an abundance of top draw eights? Yeah, I think you've got some pretty good option at eight. Um, you've got. I mean, you look at who he didn't really take a front line eight to the World Cup apart from Billy Bunavola. Yeah, but, um, how we all said it was an absolutely bizarre decision to do so. You, you've got Zach Mercer, who's fantastic. You've got yeah. um, Alex Dombrant, who's playing some of the best rugby in his life. You've got Never Simmons. Done on an international could... stage, though. But what I'm saying is, you've still got those eights available, right? So Sam Simmons, just... you can't choose. So. Yeah, at the moment. At the moment, I, I'd be very surprised if if that law doesn't change. Um, certainly by the next World Cup. Um, but you, you have a, a, an array. I think that the conversation you have around um eights is much more in depth than the conversation you have around hookers. I don't know. When you look at the hookers, I would say Thacker, Singleton, McGuigan, Jamie George, um, Jack Walker. Uh, none, none of those scream Jamie Blamire world class though. Uh, yeah, I've just named six off the top of my head. See, the thing is, I think you have six very good hookers there. Do you know what I mean? I, I think you have. What more do you want, Will? Six? How many do you need? <laughs> yeah, but you—they're you, all very good. They're, they're none of them are like potential world. Luke Cowan Dicky. Sorry, another one that I forgot. Yeah, no fair. Maybe I'm just wrong then. But Alfie Barbary. Big old unit. If you get his yeah, carrying like ability in, in in the two jersey, I think it's huge. And then I've also gone for Trevor Davison at three. Um, oh, I think that's... yeah, the 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 depth at uh, at least that is is worrying, isn't it? So um, oh, yes, getting yeah. someone in uh, someone in for for that position is 
incredibly yeah. important. Will Stewart's in the squad, isn't it? But I don't know. He's never looked that good for England. And um, the other thing I'd say with Barbary as well is uh, just to go on that is can you pick him at hooker when he's playing eight week in week out for his country? Uh, for his club, sorry. No, and I know that's a bit of a rogue one for sure, too, and it needs a little bit of transition there. But I'd like to see it, and I think you, you've seen it's not unusual for for other other well nations to influence that uh, that call, is it? So, but yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting yeah. for sure. Tight head is a difficult one. Um, we just don't have a lot of good tight heads. Fuck Jamie Oliver. Um, right, we'll go into the row. This is your specialty, so I'll let you lead. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I've gone for Hugh Tizard. Um, in the four jersey, I think he's uh, a great player. I think he, he was really, really promising at Quinns. He's almost fallen into that trap at Saracens of, because there's so many top draw world-class players in that team, you sort of forget how good Hugh Tizard is individually. Um, but yeah, he's looked pretty good um, in a Sarri shirt as well. But yeah, flown yeah a but McFarlane's done a bit of a solid with some of his injuries, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, for sure, and I think you, you well, you look at the depth there. You've got your Nick Azikwes, your Callum Hunter Hills. You, you've got you've got brilliant players in there. Obviously, Maritoji. Um, but he's only twenty three years old. Got a lot, a lot of rugby left in him. Um, a big old body. Um, with a great skill set as well. When he when he wants to turn on, he really can. Um, and then I've also gone for Arthur Clark, who some people might not have heard of uh, until maybe this season. Um, but yeah, really promising second row coming for at Gloucester. Um, absolutely ginormous frame. Uh, line out general and carries really, really nicely as well. So uh, I think those two could be potential future uh, lock pairings if they carry on uh, on, on the path that they are. Um, uh, no doubt both of them will be capped by England. Um, it's just a matter of time until until they get the nod, I think. Yeah, no, that is fair. Um, I struggled in the second row. I I also went for Utizad. Um I think it was the obvious shout. He's been in and around, sort of, sort of on the outskirts of squads. Um, never quite making it, but yeah, big body, great in the line out, good cat ball carrier, gets around the park. Yeah, perfect um, option in the second row. Um, I know I thought about Arthur Clark, but I think you need a player that's got a bit more um, consistency in game time. Um, and whether, as a Gloucester fan, you agree that he's not being picked or not, um, I'd like to see him being picked a bit more consistently um, to get him in here. So I didn't quite go for him. And I've, I've gone for a bit of a shot that I didn't really like. But um, I went for Nick Azikwe. Um, He's obviously been in and around squads, but never consistently. And especially, I don't know, he's been in a squad since Eddie Jones left. Um, but I think he's excellent. Um, big ball carrier. He can, He's just solid. Obviously, he can play six if you need him to. Sort of, the, my thinking here was more, if you want... Uh, it, obviously, Courtney Law's leaving. If you want a Courtney Law's sort of style player, he is sort of very much in that mould. Maybe not to the level of Courtney Law's, but he is one of England's most, most like um, similar to that sort of role, I think. Yeah, no, probably true. Yeah, he, he's got the sort of adaptation, doesn't he, of being a, a, a six and a seven, uh, a six and a seven, a six and a second row with his his sort of size and, and work rate and ability, I think you, you, you're right, yeah. yeah. He's just that ever so slightly leaner, isn't he, than your typical second row, I think. Um, yeah, but he hits hard as well. Like, yeah, like, he really like does. Goals. Yeah. There is quite a few similarities there. Um, so, uh, to be honest, I actually think he should probably leave Saris because one of his best seasons was when Saris went down and he went to play for Northampton. I thought he was excellent that season. 
Yeah, for sure. Playing with Courtney Laws, funnily enough. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, but obviously gets kind of pushed around and kind of fills in when other players are injured at Saris. But um, Yeah, that's and- a very good point. Nick Ezekwe is way better than a bit park fill-in where, where you can type player. Nick, Nick Ezekwe should be a starting six or second row in, in every premiership team, I think. Yeah, yeah, um, that's kind of my point. Um, and uh, he has played for England, but he's never really cemented his spot, has he? He's never been a oh, solid... Yeah, he's definitely playing. Yeah, no, for sure. So that's what I thought um, registered for him. My back row, I think, may be interesting. Um, I don't know. Um, Shall I go for it? Yeah, get stuck in, get stuck in. Um, six, I've gone Ruan Ackerman. Okay. Seven, I've gone Will Evans um, from Quinns. And eight, I've gone Alfie Barbary. Um, so Ruan Ackerman has obviously said multiple times now that he wants to represent England. That is his um, country of choice. Uh, obviously, being, coming from South Africa, but he's lived in Gloucester or the surrounding areas um, for a long while now. So he, he qualifies on that state and I think he's a, well I know he's a big ball carrier um gets over the ball gets around the park does the dog work um and he, if you look to Borthwick's sort of style uh he's he's kind of fairly similar to Hamry Liebenberg I think but a better ball carrier so I think he could fit in um to a Borthwick style quite well uh and he's never had a look in obviously in the actual main England squad but I think he's a really good option see out injured currently but when he's fully fit he is one of the best six in the league um will evans absolute turnover machine when you look at the amount of turnovers he gets um he's always topping the charts or there or thereabouts um absolutely brilliant player menace at the breakdown and a proper true seven which you just don't get enough of anymore um so i think he deserves a shout of a player to to get in and, and just prove his worth. I think he could, he's one of the sort of player that could sneak into a squad maybe on, on the back burner. But um, once he's in the squad, it's so disruptive that he forces his way into a, into a, a proper squad. Cause he's there and you, you're like, bloody hell, this player's good. When you watch him up close, you're probably, he's probably one of those where you're like, we can't stop him. He's just in, in a rain and making use of himself all the bloody time. Uh, he's very much got that feel around for me. Um, and then Alfie Barbary's kind of what you said about him as a hooker, but I've just got him as an eight um, because that's more his tra- traditional player uh, position. And I think he'll be in England squads if he can maintain his fitness, which obviously he struggled with recently. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely fair. I think I would go back into to Rowan and give my thoughts on him, but I have done on several occasions uh, on this podcast. I, I, I Yeah, I, I think... Most of the listeners will know how fantastic I think he is, but I really like that Will Evans show, actually. I kind of wish I thought of that myself. Um, in terms of poachers, there's not many better, is there, in terms of uh, players over the ball? He is a very typical textbook seven, isn't he? So, yeah, I like that show a lot. Yeah. Um, in a, in a, in when, you've not, when they're kind of going out of fashion and not many in the game anymore, I think he is one of the best items. Yeah, yeah, for the, sure. The only problem... That um these players have is this back row is stacked at England. Um so stacked. Yeah, no, for sure. It is that you got players coming out of everywhere, don't you? So well, I'll give you three other players which I think um are worthy of a shout. I've gone for Ben Curry at six. I think we've seen him in and out of um squads, and a lot of people say he is on par with Tom Curry in his play style. 
Um, I think he's he's a brilliant player. He, he's great. He had that little opportunity, didn't he, in the summer, um, just gone, but he didn't quite claim it as as well as he perhaps should have. But I'd love to see him get another chance in in this England A team. Um, I've gone for Tom Pearson. Appreciate he's probably in and around the the first team anyway. Yeah, that's why I didn't go for Tom Pearson. I was just like he's kind of in, but I think he will be going forward in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I think he should be. I think he should be. But for for the time being, he's technically not. But I see what you mean. How it is, he is he is in and around that sort of stuff, isn't he? Um, but yeah, I put Pearson in. Obviously, what do we need to say about Tom Pearson? He's he's electric. He's great over the ball. He's he's a great carrier. Um, he's he does everything you want from a seven slash eight, maybe maybe six as well. He he does a lot of great stuff in many facets of the game. And then I've also gone Jack Clement. Um, question marks maybe last season over where he is in terms of is he a six? Is he big enough to be an eight? Does he tackle hard enough to be a six? Um, and this season he he's bulked up and he looks like he's going to be an out and out eight. The work he does from the base of scrums is fantastic. Um, we saw what lines he can cut this weekend against Exeter, and I think he's going to be competing with Ruan Ackerman, um, Albert Tuasui, and Zach Mercer for a shirt when everyone's fit. And I think he may even come out um, with a starting jersey. And I think he's he's definitely in that conversation for Saul. And I, I think he's only going to grow, um, only going to grow from now. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see where he goes. But I think he is it, it's, the England Day side for me is for players who are just outside of that. Um, next next sort of step, aren't they? So uh, I'd love to see him come in and see see how he can do. Yeah, no, I like all of those shows. Um, really. Uh, yeah, no, I just went for different players, but I think it shows yeah the, the amount of talent in that back row um, that England have, and maybe don't potentially maximise. Um, although Courtney Laws was excellent towards the end of the World Cup. Um, right into the backs. And I find the backs harder because I have got, outside of 10, I've got two or three for every single position. So I'm going to struggle to narrow this down, but I will give a shout out to players as I go. Um, nine. I'll go for nine first and I'll let you go 10. Nine, I've gone for Harry Randall. I mean, I was debating whether he's too much in the squad, um, but I went for Harry Randall just because I thought he was the player that stands out the most in the premiership puts his hand up week in week out is very very good um and has never had a prolonged period in the in the England squad who did you say sorry Harry Randall yeah I I, I like Harry Randall a lot I, I think he should be this is a tough one for me because I think he should be in the England I I, I love him in the, the suggestion in the England day so However, I think he should be one of the names in the in the actual England team. I think the stuff he shows for Bristol. That there's not a nine like Harry Randall um, no. available, um, which is why for me he's a, he's a great call. I actually didn't go for him though. Um, do you wanna do you wanna car- carry on with your explanation of him, or, or do you want me to? No, no, I'm him? pretty much done. He's just yeah. he's just electric, but he also has the game management side. Um, we've not seen it. When he has stepped up to England, he has looked a, bit, a little bit lost. But I, I think that was because he came in during an Eddie Jones time when, to be honest, every nine looked awful. If you remember, every nine started, everyone was slagging off to the hills. And then every nine that came on, everyone was like, well, why is he not starting? And then they'd switch them around and they'd be like, why is he not starting? Because they play well off the bench. But um, 
yeah, so I think he needs another shot because I think he's excellent. His box kicking's great. He's one of the smartest players um, when it comes to sniping, I think. And also, he's a, he's so small that I reckon people miss his tackles because they just put their arms over his head. So Yeah, also true. He probably does do that a lot, genuinely. He's a, yeah, just he's duck a, under the tackle. That. Um, so I've got sort of two that I was considering outside of Harry Randall. Um, Can I guess? So the two... Yeah, go on. Rafi Quirk. No. Gus War. Yeah. And I've not got another one. So going for Gus War, I think he, he played really well last season. Um, a lot of people were saying, oh, was it just a, a season he's come out of the blue and had a really good year? What's, what's going on? When Rafi Quirk's fit, he'll come straight back in and everyone will forget about Gus War. But the start to this season has proved that Gus War is a stud. He, he is brilliant. Um, he controls games very well. He... he Picks and goes very well. He's very um he the, the thing that strikes me with him is he knows exactly when to play it quick and then he knows exactly when to slow it down. And I think that sort of game control is invaluable um for scrum halves. So that that's the sort of stuff that you your bread and butter and you you really work on, right? Um so he's in the conversation. And then the other one for me is Will Porter. Um I think really? he looked pretty tidy at Bristol last year. Um looked very promising at Wasps, of course. Um, and then I think he also looked, um, he, he's looking very good at Harlequins as well. In terms of distance kickers, especially from box kicks, he's one of the best, I think. He's, he's got a technique where he pulls it out just that extra little bit and then hits it a little bit flatter, almost Fafta Clerk-esque in the way that he does it. And I like that a lot from Wilport, and I think that's a very useful trait to have. Um, so, yeah, it's between the two. For, for now, I'll lock in Goss, Goss War. But I think both of them are pretty much on par for me, and I'd probably have one in the nine and one in the twenty-one jersey. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, ten. I think we both agree on. Um, I'll let you go first. So I've gone for Finn Smith. Um, I think he's brilliant. I think he's he's great. I think he looked very very good at Worcester, um, and now is looking very very good at Northampton. I think. He does everything very well. I think it's pretty much the best way to, to sum up Finn Smith. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, there's Obviously, there's the main three and Marcus Smith, uh, Farrell and Ford. And then Finn Smith is the only real one where you look at and you, you're like, yeah, he is of the same quality should a Farrell or a Ford not be about that he should go into that squad. I don't think there's really anybody else um, putting their hand up particularly that says... Um, and showing that they should be uh, the 10. Um, unless I'm missing someone, obvious. Mm, I mean, Charlie Atkinson was probably in the conversation before this season. Yeah, but he, he's just been kicked out of his 10 jersey by Jamie Shilcock, hasn't he? Yeah, and that's it. I think this, uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, before this season, you'd probably be having him in the conversation. Um, yeah, I don't think there's too many others who I'm, Necessarily shouting about right now. Yes, the next one maybe is Manu Runapola, but he's nowhere near for me. So I mean, you'd probably look at what's the fella from Bath called? Just come. Orlando Bailey. Yeah, Orlando Bailey. You probably have a conversation about, don't you? Um, maybe, but for me, Finn Smith is a long, long way ahead of him. I think he controls the game. I agree. He looks electric um, and has really slotted into that back, uh, Northampton back line nicely. Which is never going to be an easy task when he was taken over from Dan Bigger. Yeah, that's a 
for sure. Uh, yeah, agreed. I think Finn Smith is just underneath. It, the, the bad thing is for him is that you've got three players who are top draw in in Ford Farrell Smith. Um, so the fact he sits just behind that is is slightly unfortunate for him. But I think, yeah, certainly when Ford and Farrell sort of come out of the picture, then maybe we'll see him come in because he is still super young, right? So maybe it's it's not too too unrealistic for him to to yeah. His only problem is Marcus Smith is still not very old, and so he may be sat behind Marcus Smith for the majority of his career. Um, but what can you do when you've got such a young and talented player like Marcus Smith? Um, we we'll move to the centres. I've got loads, so do you want to go first? Um, yeah. So I think twelve for me is between two players again. Um. So for me, it's Lennox Anyanwu and Seb Atkinson for me. Okay, I've got one of those players, but not the other. Okay, who do you? I've got three. So now I'll let you go first. So yeah, I think Lennox Anyanwu last season was phenomenal. When he came in, he sort of hit the ground running out of nowhere. And to the point where a few people were saying, wow, is this guy just going to take over from Andre? Andre Esterhazen is going to have to fight his way back into this team because the way that Lennox is playing is fantastic. And I think this season he's shown more of the same. He's such an aggressive... And then they remembered than... it was Andre Esterhazen, and then he walks around yeah. and... <laughs> it was also phenomenal. Um, yeah. But he, he shows promise. He's a big boy. He's quick as anything. And he, he, he works very well. He can play 12 or 13, which is obviously useful. And it also speaks to some of the characteristics he has. So he's a, a big shout. And then Seb Atkinson... Been a little bit of a revelation from Gloucester, for Gloucester. Um, carries really well. I've not seen Seb Atkinson be bettered by any 12 that he's played, which is quite impressive, bearing in mind he's played against uh, Andreas Hazen, Jonathan Dante, um, and then whoever else in the, the Premiership, at least. Um, I don't Didn't think he went against Bath a couple of weeks ago, to be fair. I don't think he did too bad against the Joma. Yeah, but he wasn't. He wasn't amazing, is more my point. But yeah, he's going to have bad games. You can't expect him to be amazing every week. But yes. Yeah. Yeah, basically, yeah. But yeah, he, he's very good. He carries very well, but he also play makes real nice, which is a uh, play makes real nice. What a horrible sentence yeah. that was. How glossary um, you doing? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a very good playmaker uh, through the 12 channel. Um, but yeah, both of those look look really promising to me. Um, both and, obviously super young. And thirteen, um, and then thirteen, I've gone for Will Joseph, and I don't think that is a negotiable for me. I think it has to be Will Joseph. Okay, so who are you pairing with Will Joseph if push comes to shove? Let's go. Let's go Lennox, just because he's Lennox. Yeah. Right. Let's just go Lennox. Fair enough. My three shouts are Dan Kelly. Uh, yeah, for sure. Set back Hinson. Cool. And Max Ajoma. Um, yeah, Max. I mean, yeah, Max Ajoma is one that I probably should have put in there. Actually. Yeah, I know. You just mentioned him. You didn't put yeah. him in. Yeah, that um, is cool. Never really had a shout. Neither has Dan Kelly. He's been in and around. Obviously, picked up an inopportune injury. Had he not got an injury last season, I think Dan Kelly probably would have gone to the World Cup. Um, for me, I am going to go with Dan Kelly over the other two. I think he's excellent. He. Um, carries the ball so well, but again, as you said, with Seb Atkinson, can also play make. I think he's slightly bigger than Atkinson, um, and also I think he play makes slightly better. His pa- range of passing that we see from Leicester 
Um, there's a big miss pass I remember. Um, I think from the back end of last season, which he threw, which is outstanding. Um, and yeah, I think he can really be dynamic. And for England, when quite a lot of the coaches have seemed to want to play that sort of playmaker 12, I think he really offers you that option. Where, But rather than putting a Faz there, who is really a 10, um, I think he can really play as a 12. And I think he is a brilliant option there. Um, and he just gets in just ahead of Seb Atkinson and Max Ajomo. But they're, all three of them are super young and um, really, really exciting. Um, obviously, Max Ajomo at Bath, lighting it up. And you could play, I guess, um, have a word with the Bath coaches, tell them to get rid of the, the Scot- little Scottish fella and play a centre partnership and kind of do what Scotland are doing and do Max Ajomo and... and uh, Ollie Lawrence and try and build that relationship at club and then into country and do the Tupolioto and uh, and Hugh Jones sort of thing and see if that works for us as well. So that could be a nice option. But um, I think I am going to go for Dan Kelly. Um, now, 13th, not quite as signed, sealed and delivered as you. I agree it's a Harlequins player, but I've not gone for that Harlequins player. I've actually gone for Luke Northmore. Yeah, I did. I, I knew you were going to go Luke Northmore, and I, I do love Luke Northmore as well. I think he's brilliant. Yeah, I think Luke Northmore is amazing. He is. I think he. Well, he's that lot much older than Will Joseph, isn't he? Um, and I think he's just got that much more to his game currently. Not that's a bit harsh, but I think he's got more to his game currently. Um, there's no doubt in Will's uh, Will Joseph's um, technical um, like ability and in, in pace and power and his. His potential is massive. Like Will Joseph could be, could be very, very good. Um, but I think Luke Northmore at the moment is just everything you could want in the thirteen. He tackles well. He he um, carries hard, but he's also got that deft touch. He can flick it out the back. He can take it to the line and open up options for the wingers. Um, can play off of especially when you put play, play like Andre Estehazen inside. He can kick through well. He's just excellent everywhere. Um, so I'm just going to go for Northmore over just, just currently. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I can't argue with that, really. I, I mean, I will just fight. I won't argue with your selection, but I will just fight Will Joseph's corner a little bit. I think, I don't think... You look at Marchant, who's now obviously left the, the Premiership. You, you look at uh, Jonathan Joseph, obviously his old brother, who, who had so much success in that England 13 jersey. I think Will Joseph is a lovely combination of the two. I think he's got the step of, well, both of them, really. He's got the defensive awareness of of both of them, um, more so Joe Marchant, probably. But what he's got is I think he beats both of them for gas comfortably. I think he is absolutely rapid. And that's what I think you forget how, old, how fast his brother was back in the day, when his brother yeah, was moving not... up teams. His brother was really quick. I've, yeah, don't get me wrong. He was very, very quick, but I think Will Joseph's quicker. I think he is, like, electric fast. Um, so, yeah, I think he's he's not quite in the conversation, but almost in the conversation with your, your Radwans and Summits. Um, I think he's genuinely that quick, and I think he's only just going to build on his game. Um, but, yeah, I, I completely see the, the Northmore pick as well. I think that's a, a very, yeah. very tough I think as an overall player right now, Northmore's got it, but Will Joseph's potential is really the sky um now we'll go to back three and i have one two three four five six seven i've got eight players for the back three so that's fun 
Okay. Do you um, want to just rattle those off quickly then? Because I've, I've yeah. So start on the wings. Yeah. Um, I've got uh, Murley, but I don't know with Caden Murley. Can I count that? I don't really know. I've decided not to really count Caden Murley because I think he'll be in England squads going forward. Is that fair? I don't know. Yeah. Um, That's okay. Yeah. The other players I was looking at: Tom Roebuck, Adam Radwan, and Ibatoye. Um, those are the ones that have just missed out. Adam Radwan again's been in and around, having a really good electric start to the season. Um, I just want to see a bit more from him, um, and it'd be interesting to see if he got into an England team where they're flying. How that would go. Um, Ibatoye, as I just said, uh, as we said about Bristol earlier on, really flying at the start of this season, but need a bit more consistency. Um, I think to be in the team and Tom Roebuck I'd really really like um, but just misses out to two other players Tom Roebuck's really fast really strong I wouldn't be surprised if he's included in the full England squads to be honest um, but the two players I've gone with one's Tommy Freeman I think he's the best winger English him and Caden Murley are the best English wingers and the fact that Tommy Freeman can't get in I think is a joke so I put him in the 18 just because he deserves to be because he's so bloody good he's strong he's fast he's dynamic um, he scores a hell of a lot of tries. I don't really understand how he's not in the England team. So I'm, I'm as a, as a point, I'm just putting him in here. Brilliant in the air as well, big body. Um, so I put him in there. And on the other wing, I've got Ollie Thorley, um, who again, very strong, very quick, um, very solid in defence. Is such a workhorse as well from the wing. Always willing chaser, which especially with the England team, kicks a lot is, is always useful. Um, and and tackles everything. So I think um those two are my wingers. Um and then my fullbacks, I've got two. Um I've got George Furbank, who obviously had a stint playing for England a good few years ago now and looks out of place, but I think he's a completely different player now. He's so um talented, I think, as over, as an overall rugby player. If, if he is a proper definition of a second 10 at fullback um he's such a good playmaker as, as a secondary um secondary option he can do everything he can kick he can pass he's great under the high ball I think George Fairbanks um really underrated and what he does for Northampton um really allows him to tick but the one I've actually gone for is Josh Hodge who is just fast electric really good tackling and just lighting up for Exeter this season so I've gone for a back three of Thorley, Hodge, and uh, and Tommy Freeman. Oh, I completely forgot about Josh Hodge. You forgot Josh Hodge? Yeah, I forgot Josh Hodge. Well, that is a stinker. That You're is a big well stinker. That is a big stinker, to be honest. That is a big stinker. Um, so who I've gone for? A uh, couple mentioned there in in yours. Um, I've gone for Tom Roebuck for all the pro- uh, for all the, the the pros mentioned. Um, I think he's a great player. I think I haven't put Freeman in. And you'll like the reason I haven't put Freeman in, purely on the premise that I knew you were going to put him in and you'd wax lyrical about him. So I've kept he's him out so of my good. He's so good. He's going to go into yours and get a heap of, heap of credit in there. Um, on the other wing, I've gone for Adam Radwan. I think he should be in the England team um, normally. I think he is brings you wheels that no one else does. He can change a game. I think in the, the premise of him and Arundel working, in, working together gives you heaps of wheels and heaps of uh, attacking promise and then the two fullbacks I've gone for I've gone very young and very inexperienced but very promising I've gone for George Hendy and Ben Redshaw um Ben Redshaw obviously coming into the England team uh, in the summer for for experience there's obviously 
a desire to get him into the, the team in the future, um, as well as the, the good performances we've seen so far. I don't think a player will get into a team like Newcastle, who are desperate four points wherever they go um, at such a young age and such a crucial role um, without being brilliant. Um, and then George Hendy, we're seeing him take on more responsibility, involved in some aspect in almost every Saints game, if not every Saints game so far this season. Um, traditionally a 15, but is trying out on the wing. Um, but yeah, can play. Can With play. my other options, too good to get move. Yeah. But Josh Hodge is is excellent. Yeah, he is absolutely fantastic. He, he is... Yeah, he's an absolute. He's the right option. <laughs> he's a firecracker. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't. I can't not put Josh Hodge, Josh Hodge in. Um, it's going to have to be him. But George Hen- Hendy and Ben Redshaw are very, very fast. Um, but and very, very close behind them. It's nuts that we've just mentioned how how many of those wingers. Um, Will Muir is another one who I didn't even mention. Aaron Reed is going really well at Sale this season. Um, yeah. Like we've got so many good players on the wings um, and none of these players really even get a shout. Uh, Segan is another one. I think he's English. I, I actually don't. Um, so, yeah, you've got so many. Wyatt is another one from Exeter. Did we distinguish whether Will Muir was English or Scottish? Uh, I have no idea. But um, If he's he English, he'd be in and around my sort of selection thoughts for sure. I love Will Muir. I didn't. I didn't love him when he was running in tries against Gloucester last week. But no. Will Muir, English rugby player. Yeah, he was born in England. Oh, there you go. I don't know why. He, I oh, bloody hell! He's got a he's got a bloody English name. He's called William Richard Charles. Oh yeah, that is quite. That is quite. Uh, quite English. Yeah, it sounds like after bloody monarchy. Um, right. So I'm gonna move us on quickly, James, because I've just realised we've been recording for a hell of a while. But yeah, yeah that, we, got, that, we got predictions. But that is our yeah. team of young slash uh, players we want to see in the England squad. Um, and really some exciting names that can't even get in the squad. So should mean that England have got a really good team, but not necessarily. Um, right. We will go on to the predictions. As I said, I went five for five last week. So if you want to have a little gamble, uh, listen to what I say, basically. Um, four of the five games are on TNT this week. Um, and we'll start with the Friday night game that is at uh, Frankie's Gardens, Northampton are playing Quinns. Who've you got? I will take Northampton there. Northampton at Franklin's Gardens. Yes, please. Over Quinns? Yep. Yeah, I told you, Northampton are my boys this season. I've just got a good feeling about Northampton. Well, I will go for Quinns as a bit of a bounce back after we kind of being embarrassed last week. Um, well, I think you could say the same against the Saints, no? Yeah, but Quinns were going into there as the big dogs at home and there's no, there's no embarrassment losing away um, less than. Yeah, it's Derby Day though, isn't it? It's Derby yeah, true, day. true. But um, that is the TNT on um, Saturday, uh, Friday night, sorry. Um, and I'll take Quinns for that. Um, then we go uh, there's Sale, um, who has obviously annoyed the uh, BT because or TNT, sorry, because uh, for the second week in a row they're the only team or the only game that isn't on uh, TNT. Uh, but they play Bath. At home, who have you got for that one? Going to be a tough old game, this, but I think Sale will have enough in the pack to dog out this Bath team. Um, I, it wouldn't surprise me if Bath don't go full noise for this. Um, but yeah, I think let's yeah, give me give me Sale. Yeah, 
I'm, I'm finding it difficult because I think Sale will win the pack, but if the backs get going, I think Bath's backs are better uh, currently. Uh, Probably, yeah, almost certainly, almost certainly better. But I think, yeah, I just can't, yeah, I, I can't look past, can't look past Sale. I'm actually going to go Bath. I think they're finding ways to win generally. Uh, um, so, I think, yeah, I'm actually going to take Bath. Okay. Um, then we move on to Saturday, and it's slightly weird kickoff time at Kingsley, um, of half past two. Uh, Gloucester at home to Leicester. Um, I'll go first. I'm taking Leicester. Yeah, I mean, my heart says one thing, my head says the other. Um, I want to say Gloucester, but I think that's probably quite unfounded. You know what? Why don't you do? Go Gloucester. For it. Let's go Gloucester. Why not? I'm I'm already getting shit on in the prediction, so we may as well go for a couple of outlandish ones. Let's go for Gloucester. Yeah, we haven't agreed yet, so. Um, uh, then the uh, at three o'clock, a bit more of a traditional time, also on TNT, is Saracens take on Bristol. Um, I'm going Saris. Yeah, Saris for me. Um, apparently Sheedy and AJ McGinty are both out. So, um, is he else playing ten? Yeah, probably going to be James Williams playing ten. I imagine, or maybe Max Malins. Nah, that'll go James Williams. I imagine. Um, and then final game of the weekend: Newcastle are hosting Exeter at home. At three o'clock on Sunday, wouldn't um, it be a result if Newcastle won? I'm sure well, they take a lot of credit. Exeter haven't Exeter haven't won away from home yet. Yeah, you know what? Give me Falcons. What? He's Give me Falcons. Falcons. I'm going for Chiefs. Home clean uh, sweep for me. I've gone for Chiefs. No, we we agreed on one game this week, but um, that's quite impressive. We could one of us could end up very very um, getting a big loss here, um, but. That is predictions. Um, Will has taken Saints. I have taken Quince. Uh, Will has taken Sale. I've taken Bath. Will has taken Gloucester. I've taken Tigers. Um, we've both taken Saris to beat Bristol. And then Will has taken Newcastle. And I have taken Exeter. So, yeah. We will. Well, we'll definitely have a winner, you'd imagine, from the predictions this week. So that'll be fun. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting for sure. So, yeah. Tense weekend of rugby this weekend as you can see the me and James are split straight down the middle with our decisions so that's testament to how close this league is at the moment and certainly this round of fixtures um a lot of great stuff going on in the rugby world so tune into all of those games on TNT um Premier 15s are also available on TNT Sport as well now so tune into the women's game um and then keep an eye on the championship results as well because that is heating up too so yeah plenty of rugby if you can get to the grounds get to the grounds but if not tune in where you can um or if, why not play a little bit as well go and uh throw the pill about as well why not um but yeah enjoy your week guys and we will see you on the next one uh, bye